You're listening to the Brandon Bishop Podcast. Here he is, the owner of Asai TV, lead singer of the One-Eyed Buffalo, former pro wrestler, former army soldier, published author, cat lover, host of Go There, Eat That, Super Proud Dad, and all that, Brandon Bishop. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing this thing. My name is Brandon Bishop. Welcome to the Brandon Bishop Podcast. Apparently, there wasn't enough on my plate. Apparently, I don't have enough hats that I'm wearing at the same time. So I decided to do a uh, a weekly podcast with special guests and different topics and all kinds of segments and fun stuff. And here we are. And I literally don't have time to do this, but I've always wanted to do this. So I'm going to make time to do this. Every single week, I'm going to throw my voice at you. We're going to talk about different stuff. If you want to be part of the conversation, look up the Brandon Bishop podcast on Facebook, message me, comment on different things. Let's all make this a a gradually building conversation. We can debate each other. You don't have to like me. You can hate my guts. That's fantastic. It'll give us more to talk about. But I'm excited to do this. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking to... uh, One of the uh, coolest people in the world, to be honest with you, Bobby Brown, Bobby with an I-E, no, not the cosmetic line, no, not the uh, my prerogative Bobby, the cool one, definitely no, and and also not the the bail bondsman guy here in town. (laughs) There's a lot of popular Bobby Browns, but this one is my favorite and soon to be your favorite as well. Uh, She was best known as the cherry pie girl in the warrant videos back in the early 90s and She's been in movies, she's been in TV shows, she's got two books that we're going to talk about, and an awesome, awesome, awesome human being. Good to know her, and uh, great to have her on the show here. Also, a little bit later, we're going to join with Shannon, uh, my little co-host for the the meat of this. We're going to be talking about a subject that we all have to face, and it's a, a, a subject called life and death. Yeah, it's a little broad, I know. <laughs> it's, we're, we're all born, we're all going to die, we've all seen people being born, we've all known people that are dead. But we just kind of want to talk about, it's such. It's still, in 2019, it's a taboo subject almost to talk about life and death, but we're not going to let that stop us. That's going to be a little bit later. I want to bring in my co-host Shannon with me. We're going to talk about some uh, product placements, which is actually, again, to do with Shannon, because she's got some amazing stuff that she does that I want to bring to you uh, bring to your attention. Our product placement, by the way, has nothing to do with sponsors giving me money. These podcasts, I love a lot of them. I I get it. You got to make money. And we do have sponsors like Trinity Brewing and we got other sponsors that we'll get to, but I, I, I get it. You got to make money. You got to monetize this thing. But my product placement segment is not about me making money off of these businesses. It's more so just cool stuff that I love and that I, that I recommend and I suggest to everybody out there to try. And uh, Shannon has a business that uh, is pretty awesome. It helps me in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. At the end of the night, we're going to talk about, or, or whatever time you're listening to this to, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about the a uh, uh, couple of little segments called The Hall of Respect, which is somebody who deserves respect. And then we're going to go to the Dungeon of Douche, who somebody <laughs> or multiple people deserve to be put into a dungeon because they're a bunch of douchebags. And 
We got the happy ending. We got all kinds of different stuff that we're going to do on this show every single week. It's the Brandon Bishop Podcast. I am that said Brandon Bishop, and I'm super excited. And you know what? I always tell people when we start filming TV shows that the first is the worst. So I imagine this one's going to be completely awful compared to what we're doing 10 years down the road if, in fact, podcasts are still a thing, if the country is still a thing. Uh, some of the, some of the other things that we're going to talk about, we're going to get into headlines to start off every show, and I won't have to explain this to you every single time. This is the first show, so let me, let me explain to you what's going on. We're going to start off with headlines, the main stuff that's going on, the stuff that you probably already know about, stuff I really want to talk about, and uh, you know what? I think I've explained it enough. It's a podcast, man. It's not that freaking difficult. My name's Brandon. You're you. Uh, I'm putting it out there. You're listening. It's pretty, pretty simple uh, little concept we've got here. But I don't want to go too long explaining everything. Let's get to the headlines. It's time for the headlines, baby. Let's get funky. John Stewart's back in the news and. He's kicking some freaking ass in in the house, man. He, you've all seen the clips, and I think it's a lot of it is thanks to you, the people that went out there and shared what John Stewart did to the house in Washington. They, he basically sat there in front of, unfortunately, a half-empty house of representatives and lambasted those who didn't show up. First of all which they deserve to be lambasted. He's been trying for 15 freaking years to bring some attention, to bring awareness, to bring the funding to take care of the 9-11 first responders. First of all, <laughs> all conspiracies aside, all of that, we'll save that for another show. We actually have it on the list. We're going to do a show about conspiracies, and I'm sure 9-11 will come up. But all of that aside, it, it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous. Jon Stewart said they should be ashamed of themselves and absolutely they should be ashamed of themselves. It's it, here's the <laughs> if your family, okay, this is a metaphor that has nothing to do with it, but I think the sentiments somewhat relatable. If your family, your house was burning down and somebody ran into the house and saved your baby and saved your cat, saved your goldfish, and walked back out and then cleaned up all the mess that the house made and you have a brand new house sitting right there. If somebody did that, you'd be indebted to them for the rest of your life, wouldn't you? I know I would be. If somebody even just saved my cat alone, I would be in, they'd be getting postcards and Christmas cards from me for the rest of their lives or the rest of my life. Oh, there were <laughs> thousands, thousands of fire department police to that just five seconds into the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center, nine, oh, five seconds, they were there trying to rescue people, breathing in the air, and then afterwards, when it all came tumbling down, they were the ones with the bulldozers and the shovels and the dump trucks. Now, I understand you can't possibly know at that point, or maybe you could. I'm not a scientist. I'm not intelligent enough in any possible way to test the air or anything. I wasn't there. But you can't, you, you, I understand you can't possibly know, but guess what? The air was 
poisoned. And they were there for weeks and weeks, not, not just when the attacks were happening, not just when the buildings came down and all the smoke came out. These people were exposed to that for weeks and weeks and weeks, maybe even months, possibly a year, however long the cleanup attempt took. They are the ones that were finding fragments of bodies and giving them a hero's exit from the site. They, they were the ones that cleaned up everything, cleaned up the mess. They were the ones that, who knows how many countless lives they possibly have saved. And I don't need to go on about what they did. You know what they did. And 15 years, for 15 years, actually it's been longer than that, 18 years since 9-11, so. But 15 years, John Stewart's been a spokesperson for the first responders and trying to trying desperately to get them to stop sitting on their hands, possibly with both of their thumbs up their ass, and not funding the health care and the, and the services that they've needed ever since. It makes no freaking sense. And a lot of us didn't even know. A lot of us didn't know that this struggle was going on. We kind of figured that, oh, of course they're taken care of. That makes no sense if they're not being taken care of. They weren't being taken care of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was their job. You can look at it that way. That's the way that, you know, the house is looking at things. It, it was their job. They got paid to do their job. But no, it wasn't their job to be put into harm's way. It's not their job to be, or actually, it is their job to be put into harm's way. They're police officers, they're fires, they're EMT, they're, you know, all these different people. Of course, that's their job to be put into harm's way. But they did that part of their job. They went into harm's way. But the harm kept going on. And it was... The exposure was just, it's deadly. The, the, the cancers and the, the, just the respiratory infections and all these different things that have come up since, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. And, it's, and it, I don't want to start off this whole new podcast adventure with an extreme negative, but that is the highlight right now. These, these are the headlines that are out there right now, but it has a happy I'm not going to say a happy ending because it took 15 freaking years to make this happy ending happen. But let me go back to what I was saying about you, everyone here listening. It was you that shared this little video. I shared it too. John Stewart ripped these guys a new asshole and they deserved it. He pointed them out. He did what all of us wished that we could do so eloquently and on such a, a massive stage he literally tore into them with Wolverine-type claws, shredded them, broke them down to the point where the ones that were in attendance actually stood up and gave him a, a standing ovation as well as all the first responders that were there as well. Craziness. It's just craziness that it took that damn long. But it happened. They finally got the funding. Hopefully there's no catches and hopefully it's not thrown in with another bill and it's not... Uh, you know, bureaucratic red tape bullshit like it's been for 15 years. They've dealt with the bullshit again and 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 again. No more bullshit. You say you're going to do something, make sure this happens. And I love Jon Stewart. I was, I mean, there's nothing against the new guy, Noah, whatever his name is, <laughs> Trevor Noah. I, he's all right. He's cool, whatever. But he's not Jon Stewart. I miss Jon Stewart. Five days a week or four days a week, whatever it was on Comedy Central, he would come into my living room. I'd welcome him by turning on the channel. 
and I missed that so damn much. So it was really good to see him out there again. I wish it wasn't under the circumstance, um, <laughs> but he did it. He did something finally, I mean, because he's been making jokes about everything and raising awareness about different issues and different political issues and all this stuff. And he was the perfect person for that. And again, he comes back and he's the perfect person for this. Now, should it take a celebrity that everybody loves to be the face of something like this? Is that really freaking necessary? And, you know, the anger is going to be there forever that it took 15 years, but at least we're happy that finally something's being done about it. And I think a lot of the uh, high fives and a lot of the uh, congratulations should honestly go to you for sharing that video again and again and again. And um, now you can share the other video where the House actually passed uh, the, the bill that'll give the funding for these uh, amazing people that ran in on 9-11 and then cleaned up afterwards. And um, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's the biggest headline of this week, I think. I can't think of anything else, and I don't really want to go too far um, just with headlines because we got a long show ahead of us. But thank you to you for sharing and caring, and thanks to John Stewart. Freaking awesome. We couldn't possibly have a wider spectrum than today's main topic. And today's main topic on these podcasts is going to be the meat. And not the potatoes, but just the meat of these uh, these podcast broadcasts. And each episode will have a main topic. And we'll let you know on the Facebook page, the Brandon Bishop Podcast Facebook page, what the topic is going to be. And if you'd like to interact with us, ask questions, add your little two cents or even 15 cents, no more than 30 cents, then fine message us or leave a comment or send some smoke signals I can see out the studio window. Whatever you need to do if you want to be a part of the podcast, add your uh, add your insight. Debate me. If you hate what I'm talking about, then argue with me. If you hate me personally, then argue with me. It doesn't matter what it is as long as there's some kind of interaction. If it's interesting enough, we'll definitely mention you on the podcast and we will talk uh, either positively about you or extremely negatively about you. Shannon is here on these segments. She's going to be my co-host, and um, I'm lucky to have you because she's an amazing. I tend to be a little negative, Shannon. <laughs> sometimes we're friends. You know how it is when I get riled up, and mm -hmm. yeah, and I, sometimes I'll just be like, and then Shannon's a little ray of red sunshine over here. You're damn right. You're lucky to have me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit later, we're going to talk about something that you do, your Ginger Snaps Wellness Program, which is going to be our product placement of the episode. And every episode will also have a product placement, something that the companies are not paying me for, but something that I do love and I want to recommend. And she's got some CBD, hemp type stuff that I know nothing about, but I put little drops in my mouth and I feel good. So she's going to talk about that after the hot topic here. Should we call it the hot topic? Yeah, I would say because so. that sounds like a place where goth kids go at the call, mall. Let's call it the spicy topic. That's that's even worse. That makes, <laughs> that makes me want off. Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the main the main topic's kind of just boring though. What are we gonna? Should we just call it the meat? Yeah, I like that. If it sounds slightly, it's a little naughty, but that's fine. We're gonna call this the meat. <laughs> this is the first thing we're still, we're still figuring things out. Meat here. potatoes, but the potatoes are coming later. So. Exactly. On my little itinerary, right? It says the main topic, but we're gonna call it the meat. The Brandon Bishop's meat pod. The meat of the podcast. Okay. Is it bologna, salami, or turkey? It's it's no. That's all processed. We don't, we don't want that. It's, this is raw meat. 
This is... Oh, God. No. <laughs> well, we couldn't have a wider spectrum of a topic. Oh, she's losing it on Okay, all right, all right. I got it together. Oh, put on your game face. Okay, stop thinking about my meat and put on the game face. Um, we couldn't have a broader topic, though, because it, it's life and death. And there's a couple of reasons I wanted to do this. Well, mainly because it's a wide topic. But, you know, I've recently lost probably my best friend I've ever had in my life. And he's only two years older than me. And uh, it sucks. It sucks. And if I got a podcast and that's my outlet, I'm not the kind of guy who normally goes on Facebook, even though I have recently, and just aired all my grievances and all that stuff. But also, life is good. Mm-hmm. Life is pretty freaking good. And it's something that is going to affect you. You may not die until you're 136, but you're going to die. You got all that hemp and CBD stuff in you. Uh-huh. I'm probably going to die sometime within the next couple of years <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and I almost died last year, to be honest with you. I had this whole heart thing, blood pressure thing, should have had a, could have had a, whatever. But uh, I'm here and life is great. I'm doing all these fun things with Asai TV, the uh, Asai Paranormals out now and uh, and, and not just things, but my mom's still around. We're best friends. My son's, you know, in my life. We're best friends. And uh, everything's good. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of it, people die. You know, my best friend dies, a guy I've been making music with for 21 years. And at the end of this, uh, the meet, at the end of the meet, I'm going to uh, play a song that uh, from our last album. Actually, no, we're going to play a song from the brand new album. And uh, just kind of a little tribute to my buddy Dave Lukasik, who I've known uh, my God, 21 years we've been making music together and it just, just like that, get a call from his wife, Dave died. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and uh, it's been a couple weeks now and it, it's still fresh, it still sucks. But uh, yeah, life and death, it could happen any second. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of the meat, <laughs> my meat might kill you. You could die from my meat, the section. Chicken or ham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So life and death. Now, people either like these topics or they'll run away from them. So let's start on the lighter end of things. And then if people can handle this roller coaster ride of opening up Brandon's brain, then we'll explore into the death side. Girl. So, mm, yeah, I know, right? So when I say life, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Honestly, my son. I, I see him and he's got so much of it left. If, if all things go well, which hopefully they will, you know, we don't want to talk like that, but he's got, I remember being his age and you know, he's at that age now where I remember being that age. I mean, he's 11 going on 12 and I remember before that, of course as well, but I remember distinctively being a 12 year old boy and the things I was going through and it's like, wow, um, he's going to be doing that pretty soon. He's going to be, you know, humping the crease in his couch, like, on my couch. like. Oh. And you created that. Oh, my God. I used to, like, as soon as I turned 13, which he's a year away from. <laughs> and, and here's a little too much information for you people. I lost my virginity at 13, okay? It, it wasn't, it wasn't like, rape, but it might as well been. I mean, it was simply the old school double dare promise and repeat thing in the woods with my neighbors. I, I had a neighbor named Brian. No, I didn't do anything with Brian, but Brian had two girls named Danielle and a, and a girl named Charlotte. And it escalated, <laughs> it escalated so quickly in the woods behind South Glen apartments. I was 13 freaking years old. They were like 15, 16, but 
I, and I don't, it's all flashes at this point, but I remember things happened. And the worst part was after they moved away, I went from the ages of 13 to 16 without getting laid at all. So it was like giving a hungry, starving child a delicious caramel-covered brownie and then giving him broccoli for the next three years. <laughs> it was fucked up. I was just like this horny little guy humping everything. Sorry if you're listening to this, Mom. But I humped everything. <laughs> everything in the house. Everything in the house was my bitch. I Watermelons, the fridge. Like, I, like seriously, you put it in the fridge and be cold in the inside. Like, yeah, that's nice. I mean, everything you can think of. I, like I said, that little creature in the couch, that couch was my bitch. How many genocides of children are oh my <laughs> happened in that house? Goodness. And I found, like, <laughs> you know, my mom and my old stepdad, I found, like, the bag of, like, porn. <laughs> there, was a, there was a black trash bag in their closet. And I found it while I was looking for my Christmas presents. <laughs> because that's where they kept it, right next to their bag of porn. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm getting for Christmas. Cool. Got a new wrestling action figure. I can't wait to open that. And, oh, what's in this bag? More gifts? Uh-huh. Hey, and there was giant things in there that just went places I don't want to talk about. And there, <laughs> there was just porn. There was these little videotapes with little X's, like, written with, uh, it almost looked like a white marker type or whiteout or something like that. Little X's on there. And, oh, my goodness. I would, like, on the old, there were VHS tapes. So on the v- <laughs> on the VHS, there, there'd always you guys don't know what the hell I'm talking about a VCR. What's that? No video for cassette recorder. I don't even know what that. You'd put the tape in and you'd see what time it was, like the the, the what do you call it? Mm-hmm. The damn number of where the tape was at. Mm-hmm. And then I would watch it. I would do my business until I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would have to rewind it to that exact number, and then put it back in the plastic, the big black plastic bag, <laughs> and. Uh, just yeah, that was my teenage years, and I, and I know this that, that has everything to do with life. To be honest with you, that is growing up. So the secret of life is exploring porn. It was part of it, though. <laughs> that was my sexuality. Like I said, I got oh my goodness, I had such an early sexual awakening, and this this needs to be another whole topic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. there's a whole lot more we can talk about. But uh, yeah, that, that's basically all I remember of my early teens and my son. Which I hate to segue back to him after that bullshit, but you know I just know that you know he's right now he's addicted to video games, <laughs> and I talk to him like he's like a little human, which he is. But I mean, I talk to him like like I talk to anybody. Yeah, I don't hold back. I'm not you know hiding any kind of conversation or nasty words or anything from him. And uh, but yeah, when I think about life, I think about how much he has left, and the fact that I am actually lucky enough to have given him a life. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. And then I think I think of my mom. You know, she had a, a rough life growing up, and I'm going to be interviewing her on this podcast in the next coming week, uh, next week, not next week. But um, I like to think of everybody having life, and I don't like seeing people wasting it. Mm-hmm. Now, you've had a pretty interesting life story. I mean, you've verbal diarrhea all over me on anything from your professional wrestling to being in the services to exploring many different countries. So there's a lot of people out there listening that Well don't are, forget don't forget published author, musician. Keep going. 
you know, no, I could. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm just being an asshole. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are like trying to explore how to live life to the next highest level. What can people hear from your story that they can adapt to their life? Well, it's simple and it's not simple. I want people to do whatever the fuck they want to do. If that makes any sense to you. Agreed. What are you doing? And I totally understand that people need a certain income. They need to have a certain quality of life. They want to have a better quality of life. But some of these people that have six figures in the bank are just miserable shits. Agreed. Their, their life. I mean, okay, let's, let's take a doctor. Right. Okay. You go to doctor school or whatever, med school, whatever it is, mm-hmm. for eight years. You pay back that loan for another eight years. You are working 60, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You once in a month, maybe maybe once or twice a month, get to go out and enjoy the fruits of your labor. That's not enough. That is not even near enough. What, and you're going to be in that deathbed. If you have a deathbed, if you're not ran over by a freaking ice cream truck or something, you're laying in bed, slowly dying. <clears throat> you're looking, I'm dying right now. You're going to look back at your life and go, wow, I worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not the kind of work you enjoy. I work 24 freaking seven. I know you do too. This is not, you know, we work for ourselves. We got our own stuff going on and it's between the TV networks and, you know, the bands and being a dad and now a stupid podcast for some freaking reason. Like I had time to do that, but I'm going to look back at all this stuff and go, <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to be a pro wrestler for 16 years. I've been a musician for almost 30 years. This is craziness that I've actually got to do these things. And I never had anybody teach me anything. No. You know how long it took me to set up this little this little podcast station? <laughs> like way too long. It's like it's, a zillion hours. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where I don't want to be the guy on the deathbed looking back and having everyone's gonna have regrets. You can't avoid regrets. I've lost friends, I've done stupid shit in my life, like everybody has. But how many regrets are we gonna have? So basically, like, how can you take the steps towards getting towards the end, almost towards your deathbed, and realize you had less regrets or no regrets? Yeah, and and towards the end of your life, you don't have that opportunity to make up for things. Oh, yeah. You're old. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to climb Mount Everest. I mean, maybe you will. Mm -hmm. Not that I want to climb Mount Everest, but it's just an example. You're not going to be able to do that stuff. You're not going to get on stage and sing in front of a couple thousand people. You're not going to record an album when you're 90 years old. I mean, you can. You should. You, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You need to stick around and do a 90-year-old album. I don't want to be a 90-year-old singer. Uh, you me, would look great in a wheelchair. No, but that's, that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> so, that's a threat right there. Like, <laughs> geez. But, I mean, what are some of the things that, you know, you, what are some of the things that you're you're trying not to regret when it all gets shut down? So I've interviewed some of my clients that have had near-death experiences or they have actually died on come back from the other side. And one of the things that like kicked my ass into the area of like trying to live with no regrets is seeing that your life will flash by you before you die. And what did you leave behind in this world? What did you do with it? So that really challenged me to not work a nine to five job in a cubicle that would have made me hate life and manifest crappy health symptoms and things like that, which a lot of people do, um, and take the risk, like the leap of faith and do the best I can to like make sure all my needs are met and everything like that. But we're kind of gravitating towards the topic of death. 
So, that was that was the plan. Mm-hmm. This is you see my secret segment there. I know exactly there. what you're it's doing. A, it's an arc. I saw what you're stepping in. We're living, we're living, we're living, we're <laughs> we're dead. Okay, now we're into the depths. I mean, you're a Scorpio. Like you guys can handle the concept of oh, death and burial. Of course, I am. Don't do that. My, <laughs> my metaphysical woo woo side. So you've got out. a uh, yeah, you've got the metaphysical hippie chick <laughs> who believes in a lot of things, and then you've got the atheist asshole who's just like, yeah, it's stupid, yeah. It's and you know, energy. honestly, even your products was you know I was that snake oil, you know, and I say that in a joking way. Well, it's snake oil that works. So, but yeah, exactly. So if, even if it comes from snakes and it helps me sleep at night, I'll blow a snake mm-hmm. i don't you know mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you blow a snake do snakes have you're that? a pretty creative individual you'll figure it out i'll, yeah, I'll definitely figure out i'll find a snake wiener and just <laughs> suck that thing dry if it, mm-hmm. if it helps me sleep at night that's how important it is at this point mm-hmm. but um yeah with, with dave dying and, 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 and you know what everybody has people that died close people your mom your father your grandmother dave was different because he was me yeah if that makes any sense i wasn't ready for that one mm-hmm you know, and a lot of times you're not ready for it, but a lot of times you get a chance to be ready. Right. Like, okay, you're sick. It's not looking good. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, we had 21 years of making music together. The band's called One-Eyed Buffalo, and uh, I hate that name, by the way. <laughs> I've always hated that name. It sounds like I'm trying to brag about my penis or something, which <laughs> is not the truth. That's a tractor in Korea. And, um, yeah, it's got one headlight, so they're called One-Eyed Buffaloes, and that's we met in Korea, and uh, we... Started playing music literally from the first day we met in right. 1998. Uh, so, you know, when I got that call and then uh, it just, it was like, it was the first time I, because, you know, my grandmother passed away in 1995 and I was like the last big one. Yeah. And I've had probably 40 friends die in the process from different things, suicide, drug overdoses. And it always sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, God, not that guy. Like my friend Bo, like, oh, not Bo. He was my best friend for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, not this person, not my friend Matt Garza, not my friend Jack Zaylor, not my, you know, all of these people that are, are really close to me and I love them. But Dave was, and nothing against anybody else, of course, but Dave was like my brother. And I've never had a brother, but he's a brother that I looked up to and he was invincible in my eyes. Right. Almost like a child looks at their father like they're invincible. Mm-hmm. Dave was that guy. And it was like, I knew I was going to go before Dave. I don't care if he's two years older than me or not. I knew I was going to drop before Dave because he always had it all together when I didn't. Right. He always had the good life, you know, the nice house, the beautiful wife, the amazing daughter I've been talking to almost every day since. And um, I was jealous of Dave. And Dave, Dave was jealous of me because I had a lot of freedom. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, in, you know, <laughs> I'm not locked into anything. I'm a freaking chaos on a pair of clown shoes that just wanders everywhere fun chaos exactly and um but when he died it was just like i just remembered that that was like the first time i ever said just you know kind of like no 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 you know it's like again and again and again and again like disbelief i could i could buy the other ones mm-hmm. it's like oh my friend jumped off a, a building and committed suicide like unbelievable that's mm-hmm. fucking awesome that's awesome that awesome right. <laughs> i spit when i said that that's awful um, but you know, Dave was just like so sudden, so out of nowhere. We're in the middle of recording a new album, which I said, like, I'm going to share a song with you after this. And, um, it just sucks, man. It just sucks so freaking bad. And it makes you, it puts you in a different state, right? It completely puts you in a different state. I can deal with death. And I, I, I'm dealing with this it's somewhat fine. It's as fine as I can do it. But it's one of those things where it's, it just, that one hit. It, it just kicked me in the stomach so fucking hard. And I just, you know, I, I still, to this point, I'm just 
I keep waiting to get emails because he'd send me emails with new songs. Oh, okay. And he was such a talented guy where he'd play all the instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'd do the drums, whatever, whatever, but he'd just send these completed songs to me. I'd put vocals over them. I'd often go out to Oklahoma, which I was supposed to do a couple weeks ago and didn't go, and I feel like shit about that now. But it's just, oh, it, I, and I'm almost at a loss for words because I'm trying to tribute a little bit to him at the same time as explain how I feel, at the same time as... Uh, Approaching it at a scientific level. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, let, let's go with the scientific thing. Mm-hmm. It just shut me down. Okay. I stayed on the couch for a week. Okay. And didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't, that's not healthy. Well, people process grief in so many different ways. And this is a really good topic to talk on because it's kind of a very hush-hush topic or like don't talk about it kind of thing it's scary is what it is yeah it's scary and and as you know someone who's not a big god person or you know a religious person or a afterlife person i believe the lights go out yeah but on the flip side of that i'm a hypocrite because i've been talking to him ever since mm-hmm. because it makes me feel good mm-hmm. because it makes me feel like he's in the same room when i'm recording the vocals i've never recorded a song with him without him sitting next to me, mm-hmm. giving me dirty looks, telling me I suck, <laughs> which is fantastic because I need that. Yeah. So I'm actually hoping his daughter, will, Taylor, will come out here and be that person because mm-hmm. she's awesome. I've known her since she was six years old. Okay. And then she's this beautiful lady now, and it's like, wow, that makes me feel old as shit. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's just one of those things where the, the processing is just, I, I, I thought I had it handled. Mm-hmm. I know my mom's going to pass away sometime. I know... All my older friends, you know, I, I could go first. Who knows? But it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm kind of ready for all that. Mm-hmm. Was not ready for this one. And uh, just, um, you know, all the stupid stuff that happens after you. I didn't go to his funeral. I, I probably could have. I would have missed out on a lot of money on projects that I'm doing, which, you know, I'm not a rich man. So when I have these things in my hand, I have to get them done. Mm-hmm. But the other reason I didn't go is because I don't need it. I have 21 years of memories with this guy, and I don't want them to be overshadowed by looking at a body in a box mm-hmm. that he has nothing to do with anymore, Right. in my opinion. I could have been there for the family. I should have been there for the family. I will be. We're going on a road trip to film your TV show here yes, pretty soon. Yes, yes, we are. And we're going to stop there in Lawton, Oklahoma on the way back. And, you know, I, I don't want to go to his grave. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I didn't want to be another person crying in the room going, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. You know I'm so You, you know yeah. that already. Right. And, and it doesn't help the person at all that's grieving. It doesn't help the family to say, I'm so sorry and give them a hug. And just, it's not going to bring Dave back. It's not going to bring anybody back. You know, it's, it's all an act at that point. And I hate funerals. I hate them for that reason. I went to my grandmother's funeral and... It was just like, okay, there's my cold, dead grandmother in a box with a bunch of people crying, me being one of them. Like, why am I here? So I don't think I'll ever go to another funeral. Well, elaborating on the question, like, why am I here? Like, how does death that you have experienced, sorry, um, how does death... She's saying sorry because she was pounding on I'm a very loud individual. Yes. <laughs> the 30-pound ass. There's a joke behind that. We'll get back to that later, but how does the concept of death, um, what keeps you living? You know, you've experienced so much death, and you can go right out with people, but what keeps you going on besides your son? Oh, me personally? Yeah. This kind of stuff. Yeah. Sitting here 
we don't have to be doing this podcast no, right now. There, there's don't. really no reason to do this. Mm-hmm. We may have, it may turn into something big. This is the first episode. We, we, we can have five people listening to the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the buzz is actually pretty strong, but there's no reason to be doing this, but we're doing it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have a television network. Yeah. There's no reason that you get on you know, your social media sites and do your videos promoting your products and your services mm-hmm. every single day, sometimes 10, 10 times a day. I can't keep up with it. I don't even watch it anymore. I just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Whatever. Fine. You've told me this shit. I'm good. Like, um, there's no reason for any of There's no reason for me to finish this album that Dave wrote. You know, there's no reason to, to have a cat that's meowing in the other room frantically because I don't allow her around me when I'm recording things because she won't shut the hell up. There's no reason for any of this stuff, but we're doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a nine to five job. No. I haven't had one in half a decade, and I'm so proud of that because all the bills get paid mm-hmm. with my hands and my thoughts and my creativity, and that's what keeps me alive. If I had a nine-to-five job, let's say answering phones for a cable company or some stupid shit like that, which, yes, people need to do that. You have to have worker bees, and a lot of the worker bees don't realize that they've placed themselves in that system, and their life revolves around... Pleasing other people, mm-hmm. that may, whether it's their kids, whether it's their wife or husband, or mm-hmm. whether it's just their bosses, whether it's their preachers, their life revolves around pleasing other people. And so does mine, but I'm more like, an, I like to entertain people. Right. I like to offer them different things. Guess what? I have an album out. My son and I wrote a book. Read it. Listen to it. I have three different television networks right now, soon to be six different television networks. Watch that shit. I have a podcast. You're listening to it right now. Thank you. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. And I'm managing to monetize it and just keep it fun. Mm-hmm. If I want to wake up at 2 o'clock p.m., I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. If I want to stay up till 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to do it. I have nobody telling me what to do. I'm single. I'm happy. <laughs> this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is what life is right here to me. And I'm not saying this is for everybody. There's people out there that need somebody. Mm-hmm. They need a wife. They need a husband. They need a, a pastor. They need a, a cat. A cat. <laughs> I, I do need my cat. <laughs> I do want to kick her out the fucking window sometimes because she won't shut up. But she loves me, and that's why she won't shut up. So I'm just an asshole to her sometimes. I don't hit her. You know, I don't starve her. I don't lock her in dark places. Yeah. I love my I love Marcy J. Cat. We should interview her. We <laughs> should. Oh because she'll God. answer every question <laughs> with a loud guttural meow. <laughs> the podcast after this one. Right. <laughs> but that that's what keeps me going is if I didn't have all this stuff, like I went from what did I go? I went from music. Yeah. Just being a singer or a drummer in bands in Detroit and then I started a TV show when I was 17 years old, called Detroit Live, which I interviewed local bands. Then I got to interview national bands, and it kept getting bigger over the three years I did it. And I wish I had more. I still have some of the footage, but I wish I had like the good footage that they wouldn't let me keep for some stupid reason. Um, and then after that went away, I got back into bands, and then I started managing bands, and then that was what I lived for. Mm-hmm. And then I started working at all these nightclubs in Detroit, and then that was what I was living for. And then... It all fell to shit. I joined the army, which is about the most normal that I've ever been. And I freaking hated it. Nothing against the army. They gave me, they gave me uh, everything I needed to live. I, they didn't send me to wars, the Bill Clinton years. So I'm grateful for that. But it, it was one of those things where 
I was so bored that I slipped back into my old habits. You don't do well with rules and regulations. No, and when that's, everybody's your boss, it's like, oh, That's fuck. a noose around people like yours neck. I, I couldn't handle <laughs> it. That's why I didn't get along with my mom for the longest time. Because, and we're best friends now, but back then, <laughs> she fucking hated me because I didn't care anything about what she had to say or any advice, or I was just some asshole that knew it all, as most people in their 20s are. So anyways, I joined the army, and then I slipped back into my old habits. I bumped into somebody who owned a nightclub. I'm like, well, I guess I'll get back into the nightclub business. I bump into Dave in Korea. Oh, I guess I'm back in a band. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we, um, I, I, those are the things that I always cling to, but I never w- was really good at monetizing them. Right. I wasn't really good at you know making that everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and here I am after a 16-year pro wrestling career and running these TV networks, doing podcasts, writing books, and doing albums and stuff, and... It's kind of spreading it out, mm-hmm. seeing what sticks, and that that's life. That is life. I wake up every day excited because I never know where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm filming a video for a real estate person. Mm-hmm. doesn't sound like fun, but it is. I get to be creative. She's a cool person. We get the, the blank canvas. Mm-hmm. The next day is another blank canvas. The next day is another blank canvas. And we're gonna, I've been all over the country like so many different times, all over the planet, so many different times with cameras in hand and filming and I get to share all of these experiences and all this creativity on these television networks, which, uh, by the way, uh, you can get Asai TV, A-S-Y TV, at AsaiTV.com. It's only $2.99 a month. Yes, that's a plug right in the middle of a heartfelt speech. I'll do that. I don't give a shit. It's my name on that podcast. You see it right there in a big banner outside? Anyway. Wow. What about you? So, since I've known you, the three biggest words that just, like, beam from you that kind of help me see how you cram 36 hours into a 24-hour day, but also, like, go beyond the tough areas of life, like grief and loss, etc. I mean, it's creativity, exploring, and innovating. And I think, like, words and concepts like that can help people excel in both life and death and explore different opportunities and all ends of the spectrum, really. So I hope that people that are listening to this can digest that and apply it to their own lives to get through, you know, death and also explore top levels of living, really. Well, one thing about death, and if you're listening to this, make this happen. Shannon, you're in charge. Okay. When I die, and I got to put all this in paper, I know, and make it legal. Just give everything to my kid. That's fine. But I don't want a funeral. Okay. I don't want a fucking funeral. Can we do a party? Will you let me finish? No. And not ruin (laughs) what I'm about to know. Um, Melt me down. Make some fucking jewelry out of me or something. Okay. That's fine. Give give a necklace to my kid that he'll never wear. Just, you know, I don't want him to carry a big urn around full of a bunch of dust. That's disgusting if you think about it, really. Mm -hmm. If there's extra parts of me, dust, whatever, to spread it. I don't care where. I'm not there. It's not me. I don't care. It means nothing to me. Put it in a... Mix it up with Nestle Quick and make a chocolate milk out of it or something. And then I'll live on through you. I know what we're going to do. But I do. I do want to party. I want there to be all my favorite foods. I want you to play my goddamn music. I want my TV shows running on a screen screen over there. And this is the most important part. I want a roast. Not the meat. Not a big beef roast. I want to be roasted. Comedy Central roast? Uh, Exactly. I want everybody. (laughs) Not Comedy Central, but just, you know, I want everybody up there. With a big picture of my big dumb face, and I want at least six of my best friends that know me so well that have funny stories about me to get up there and roast the shit out of me. Okay. 
And I want someone to film it. And I want them to put it. I don't care if you just stick it on YouTube or whatever, but or put it on the network, whoever's controlling that at this point. That is what I want to do. I don't want a open casket bullshit. I don't want black suits. Wear whatever you want. Wear flip-flops and Bermuda shorts. I don't give a shit what you wear to my little death party is what we'll call it. It was the death party. And I just want it to be fun. Just some little room. Just, you know, just have fun. Don't, share stories. Make fun of me. That's, that's how I live now. Wish granted. I got ideas rolling right now. So <laughs> <laughs> You're planning my death. <laughs> <laughs> Your party death. Give me another 30, 40 years, no. all right? But, you know, I, that, that's what I want. I don't want people sad about me going. I have lived an amazing freaking life. Um, and it's not even close to being over, not even halfway over yet. Mm-hmm. So maybe in, in time frame, it's halfway over, but I'm 45. I got, yeah, 90. I don't, I don't want to do the 90s. So I'm good on there. And then the last 10 years usually suck. I'll be pissing in a bag or something. But, um, <laughs> I just, I, I want that so bad. I want to know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy. And if my son is listening to this and some kind of archive 20, 30, 40 years down the road, when I finally kick the bucket, then, um, make that shit happen. Because that's what I want. No depressing funeral, black tie affairs. It's just, that's the worst shit in the world. I would never want to put anybody through that. Hmm. I'm thinking getting your ashes in a fireworks show. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. We got to make sure that we got those fireworks that explored in the smiley face form. And then I'm thinking like 80s hair metal cover band. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or karaoke. Okay, all right, all right. If karaoke's still a thing in 30, 40 years, which I'm hoping I get that long. But I think we pretty much covered it. We've still got a product placement featuring you. Yeah. We're going to talk about. We've got the uh, Hall of Respect, who I'm going to give to an old friend. And then we've got the Dungeon of Douche. I want to see that one. You've got to listen to it. You can't see it. Oh, whatever. Well, you can sit off to the side. I can do it. While whatever. I strap somebody by the ankles and shove them in the dirty, rat-infested Dungeon of Douche. And uh, she deserves it. So thank you, Shannon. You're very welcome. Big high five. Hey! As promised, I'm going to play a track from my upcoming album. Uh, all this music was sent to me from my guitarist of 21 years, Dave Lukasik. Uh, like I said, I met him in Korea. We started jamming from the minute we met and never really stopped. Uh, I have a whole album of stuff to put vocals over. This just happens to be one of the songs that uh, we got pretty much done so uh it's called just love me funny little story behind this most of the lyrics were from letters and texts and tweets well, not tweets uh texts and emails and stuff that i got from uh different ex-girlfriends or girls i've dated or whatever um it's a little bit of a shallow song it's basically me not wanting to be in a relationship and whatever just listen to the damn song i'm, I'm trying to tribute dave here and i'm coming off like an asshole uh, <laughs> but I think uh, I'm going to name the next album 21 years. So that's the amount of time that I got with Dave. I wish there was another 21. And uh, when the album comes out, by all means, you're going to hear about it right here on this podcast. And uh, I think we're going to play some music uh, next month. I'm interviewing uh, an old friend, Vinny Dombrowski from the band Sponge. I'm sure we'll play some of their stuff. And I think it's cool to break up the monotony of just hearing me rambling on for an hour and a half. Uh, with a, with a couple cool tunes. So this is One-Eyed Buffalo, Just Love Me. If you like that, our last album, Last Room on the Right, is available on iTunes, Spotify, CD Baby, all the all of the above. Uh, One-Eyed Buffalo, Last Room on the Right. You can get it now. 
Go download it. You'll love it. Uh, lots of cool stuff on there. And uh, this is a little taste of what's to come.
missing you, man. Anyway, we got a whole album coming out pretty soon. Like I said, I'll let you know about it. But now, let's turn that frown upside down. And we're going to get into our main event today. She is Bobby Brown. No, not the My Prerogative guy. No, not the cosmetic lady. No, not even the bail, bond, bail bondsman here in Colorado Springs. This is the Bobby Brown. I'm really excited to have her here on the podcast on our first episode. Uh, she was in the Cherry Pie Warrant video, a bunch of other different videos for Great White Hurricane. She's got two books out. She's got a brand new one out. It's coming out like in a couple days or a couple weeks. Can't wait to get into her life. Can't wait to talk about her. Been a fan since she was on Star Search as a teenager when I was a 13-year-old boy looking at her going, oh, she's everything. So really cool to have her on a podcast. And uh, here she is. Let me say this in a non-creepy way. I have been a fan of yours ever since Star Search. Oh, wow. Wow, thank you. (laughs) I recall, of course, I was a 13-year-old boy, and it's uh, a whole different reason back then as I am a fan now. (laughs) (laughs) but uh you're i mean you're known to to be the big video vixen in the 80s but you didn't stop there and and you've written books and you've done tv shows and you've got a long list of things which i found out there's a couple things on like your imdb page that aren't even true people are just giving you things at this point i know it's funny (laughs) i um i was doing a little bit of research and uh, just let me make this Make, let me make this, uh, this this positive here, so I'm not messing things up here. Okay. You started off in Star Search. You won a bunch of times, and then they robbed you. And I remember being angry that they robbed you. It was what? Ugh, I was so mad at Ed McMahon at that point. I know it was so annoying. <laughs> I can imagine because you like were on there for a year, just winning and winning and winning. I know. And then he said my he started to say my name like at the when he was announcing the winner because he didn't look at the paper. He just assumed, I think, that it was going to be me. And he went to say my name, and he said, Bob. And then he looked down and saw that it was Debbie. And then he said, so kind of stood there for a second, like, um, did he mess up? Like, you know? And then I went backstage and was like, wow, that was so crazy. So kind of a mess with my head for a second there. Well, I imagine so. And I know that crushed you for a long time, but you rebounded real quick. What were some of the, I mean, I, we all know the old stuff. I don't want to dwell too much on the, on the, the video stuff and all that, but of course you were, you know, the, the cherry pie girl and all that stuff. You're also in a couple other videos with, uh, what, Hur- Hurricane? Yeah, I was in Hurricane. I was in, um, um, God, what is, I can't, Terrence from Darby. I was in, um. In a train, to tell me it was Wishing Well. No, it was not. Oh, okay. I thought I was about to go back because that song gets stuck in my head and I don't want to go back and watch it because it'll be stuck in my head for like the next week. No, it was, um, God, something about dancing. I I can't even think of the name of it right now. Uh, I was in a Times 2 video um, and Great White and I think that's where I first saw you was the uh, the Great White video and you're on the album cover too, aren't you? Yeah. So how, how do you go from something as pure and innocent and family friendly as star search with Ed McMahon. Yeah. Over to just the grungy LA hair metal scene and basically being a a face of it for so many years. Um, really was just about what modeling jobs were, um, available, like, you know, whatever they were looking for. Um, I just was with a modeling agency and I would just get cast on 
you know, whatever people were seeking. So it wasn't like, a, it wasn't anything I was, you know, looking for. Um, it just, I would just go on the casting that, you know, people were calling about. So there's some things that I'm absolutely jealous. And let me make sure they're real first too, because the research apparently the days and days and, and 15 minutes that I've spent researching, um, some of it came up, like I said, with, with half truths, but yeah. let me, let me tell you some of the things I'm jealous. Were you in a movie called uh, the Godson with Rodney Dangerfield and Dom Louise? Yeah. Oh, yes. my, what was that? I, it's a standard question. It's a standard way to ask it, but were you on the set with Rodney Dangerfield? Because I am obsessed with Rodney Dangerfield and Dom DeLuise, for that matter. I think Lou Ferrigno was in that movie, too. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, yes, I was. I was on the set with all of them. And um, and the guy from um, Kids in the Hall, he was in it. Uh, McDonald, right? Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. It was, it was a great shoot day, and it was it's, it's a campy movie. Did you ever see it? Yes, I have actually, and I didn't. It was so long ago, I couldn't tell you one. I watched everything with Rodney Dangerfield in it. It didn't matter if it was Ladybugs or whatever. If it had Rodney in it, it was it was for me. So, yeah. Uh, but so long ago, I don't. I have to go back. I have to dig on Amazon Prime or something and uh, <laughs> see if they got that one. I think they have it on YouTube. Even um, I'm in like the first um, first few scenes. Like um, uh, actually, in the first scene, the very first scene of the movie. That, that is, I mean, you get to look back and you get to say, you know, that would have been the accomplishment for me. It's like, oh, I'm, I did a movie with Rodney. I can go now. I'm fine. That's so crazy. Yeah, there were a lot of big names in that movie. Uh, back to the uh, Star Search stuff. Before that, I think you were even Miss Teen USA at one point, weren't you? Or Miss in the pageant? Louisiana. Miss Teen Louisiana, but I was in the Miss Teen USA pageant. I got second runner up. Second, jeez. So, I mean, you're not even, like, in your 20s yet. This is all before the, the rock star videos and all that stuff, and you've already got a resume that, I mean, literally, you could be in, in however long you could be a grandma someday and say, I was this, this, and this, and that's enough. You're Thank good. You. Thank you. And um, were you, okay, let me, I have to keep asking if you were in these things. Were you in Cool as Ice? I was. <laughs> I don't yeah. mean to laugh, but... Um, I don't know why. Back in the day, you just had to watch it because Vanilla Ice was so damn popular that you right? just you had to partake. Like our back in the day, Justin Bieber, but hip hop kind of or something, maybe. But way more sensationalized. It was just everywhere. And then, oh, he's got a movie coming out. I guess I have to watch it. I have no choice at this point. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And here's the thing that I'm most jealous about. Okay. You in a couple episodes of Married with Children. Yes. Oh, my. I was in a few, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm sure, were you one of the girls that were just flopping their hair around and more hair girls? Was that the... No, no, that wasn't me. I was in, um, I was in one episode with Pamela Anderson where he was having, like, a dream sequence. And, um, and then I was in uh, two episodes because it was the um, grocery store um, episodes, part one and part two. So I was in the grocery store. Okay, this is the coolest. You, just tell me uh, your favorite part of that because Married with Children. I personally think Married with Children. You kind of came with the Fox Network, and then they started basically taking over television at that point. At least with all the cool shows. Yeah, they really did. Um, it was cool. Everybody was really actually very nice and um, easy to work with, and it was fun. It was a very laid back set, you know. 
Yeah, I just can't, can't imagine this. I mean, looking back, it's a, it's another whole thing than when you're actually doing it, I imagine. So you've yeah, got so, some. I mean, everybody was really nice. Uh, Christina Applegate was the, the least warmest one to, like, warm up to me. <laughs> well, you were stepping on her territory there. <laughs> yes, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But she it's was like, nice. Who's the blonde? Who is these? Who are these ladies? Yeah. She probably, well, I mean, she had to deal with that all the time, obviously. What do you think about the difference between then and now as far as how women were used and especially, you know, beautiful women um, were used? It was so, like, kind of outlaw back then as far as the sexism and all that stuff. And now, if you were to try to do a show like Married with Children it would or be like the Cherry Pie video, you'd be crucified for doing something like that. I know. Um, it's so, Yeah, especially now with the Me Too thing. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's so it's just so different. Somebody was messaging me the other day on Instagram saying like, um, "You're actually a really good actress. Why don't you well, you know Why don't you actually try and start acting? Because um, all the roles you ever did were like so cheesecake and and sexified and whatever." And I replied with them, "Those were the only roles I was offered, really." Well, it kind of almost goes back to the Marilyn Monroe thing, where it's she was actually a very good actress and very very intelligent. Yeah. But that, you know, men in the industry and uh, even myself in the 80s, we, you know, I was a kid, of course, a teenager, but we didn't know how to process that. It was more of like, I can't get past the eye candy to actually see that there's a, you know, a, a really good center of this piece of candy, you know. It's Right. So that's what I was just trying to tell her. I was like, I, you know, it's not like I chose those roles and that's what, you know, that I wanted to do per se. But I mean, that's what I was offered. Let's talk about uh, Dirty Rocker Boys, your first book. Okay. You're a published author, which is awesome. You did, uh, how much did Caroline help with this? I know Caroline was uh, your, your sub writer. My son and I actually just released a book uh, last year, and we're working on our second one right now. Actually, working on our third one right now. He's the youngest published author in the, in the country, which okay. is uh, something Dad's very proud of. But That's um, great. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but we kind of, you know, got into the uh, the book game and the publishing game, and it's it's not as easy as just putting some words on a piece of paper, is it? Oh God, no! It's such a process, and um, Caroline's great because she gets my voice. You know, she'll come over and we'll sit and talk for hours, and she'll be typing, and because um, she knows she knows what to ask. She asks me the questions that I would never think people would want to know. I guess or. And, and when she um, interprets, you know, everything that I say, she she gets it in my, you know, my proper voice. You know what I mean? Like she'll when she goes to like type it all out, she she knows me so well because we've worked together for so long now. Um, it just kind of it just kind of works. You know what I mean? Like I had met with three other uh, ghostwriters before her for an hour each and they asked me questions. I did, you know, like an interview type of thing. And then they typed up a synopsis um, and the other three were like, what? Uh, I was like, no. And then she was perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Some people just either get you or they don't kind of. And um, she, she totally got me. So we work really well together and um, she's great. She's really good. Oh, they did. You did a really good job on the book. Uh, your collaboration, the first <laughs> chapter, you know, the kind of, uh, you you always want to start off with the shocker, of course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that first chapter just kicks your ass. I mean, it's yeah. You got, you got the name dropping, and you know you got the, the 
drug stuff and the it just kind of like okay this is what you wanted out of this book boom here it is and then of course in the second chapter you kind of get into your personal stuff growing up and all that from louisiana and yeah. kind of moving from there but uh, that first chapter if it if that doesn't hook people and uh, we're going to talk about the next book here cherry on top but I, I really, uh, if anybody's interested in this book, and you should be, I don't care if you're a fan of the 80s metal scene or not, she's a lot more than just that. Go get Little Rock, uh, Dirty Rocker Boys before you get the Cherry on Top <laughs> book, because <laughs> that that is the meat of it. That's all the stuff that you think you know, and then a whole lot more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I got the audio version. Is that actually your voice on the audio version? Okay, so you've been reading to me for about five and a half hours while I'm, you know. <laughs> I think it's better. I think it's kind of cooler in a way. Absolutely. I don't have time to pay, turn pages when I'm editing film or whatever I'm doing. So and yeah. it's great for road trips. Oh, it's great for road trips. Absolutely. Now, the uh, once you get the book done and the collaboration's done, you go through, what, 15 different editors, and then it starts putting ink on pages. That's not even the end of it either, because then you start the promotional stuff. What yeah. was this whole book process like on the first one and even uh, getting ready to do the second one as well, right? Um, it's been totally two totally different experiences. On the first one, I was with a different book company, and we took our time with it. We, we took about a year to write it. and. Um, you know, and I went up through every word with a fine tooth comb. I went over the parts, you know, with my daughter and my mom first. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes or say anything that would offend, you know, or like hurt their feelings or whatever. Anyway, um, so I got their approval and um, and then, you know, of course, getting the, the, the picture rights and doing that whole thing. Um, it was a long process the second book um literally rewrote the book in four months um and it's been a lot more of a rush kind of <laughs> rush to, and we even still missed our publish our publishing date and we had to push it back a month but um it, it's been totally different because this um simon schuster didn't want a book too they just wanted to do the one book and that was it and i really thought that they i had more to say and and i got such a good response from the first book and reaction and so many fans writing to me like wanting to know this and that and wanting to know more and what what am I doing now and just all kinds of stuff and um so I thought I really thought that there was more you know to be added to the story and they said that autobiographies don't have you know second books and I was like well they should so anyway um I pitched it to this um more independent book company Rare Bird and um, they, they agreed with me and they picked it up and I, I brought Caroline along with me and, um, because we worked so well together in the first one and we kind of knocked it out. So basically where I end up in Dirty Rocker Boys, um, I pick up there and continue to where I am now. The, um, now when is the, the release date for the new book? Uh, it's called Cherry on Top, yeah, 40, 40 something and fucking funny or funny as fuck. <laughs> Right. It's um, August 13th is the release date and I will be doing the audiobook again um, for this one. And um, yeah, so it's a continuation and it just talks about, you know, what I'm doing now. And, and, and it still goes, it's still Tarantino's a little bit like I did in the other book. Like, you know, I'll have a flashback on things or, you know, um, you know, something that'll come to me like in my mind or I'll compare something or I still, you know, mention in my past, 
because everything is relative, you know, like anything that I'm experiencing now, I'll be like, you know, it wasn't so easy back then or blah, 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 whatever. So it's, um, it's still, it's still, uh, got the same, you know, easy read like it was last time. Um, cause that's like my personality. I wanted it to feel like it was conversational that I was talking to a friend. Yeah. That's the way it came off. Honestly, it was, uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to. So I really, uh, the first book, absolutely dirty rocker boys. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it. I'm sure the next one will be available on Amazon as well. And, uh, different book outlets online, or maybe even in bookstores, uh, go yeah, to, yeah. Do you have a website or something people can follow you and find this stuff out. Yeah. Well, the, um, you can pre-order the book. It's on Amazon now to, for pre-orders and, um, uh, yeah. And you can follow me on Instagram at Brown Bobby. You can, um, or Bobby Jean Brown on Twitter, but it's Bobby Jean Brown across the board, except for, uh, Instagram is Brown Bobby. And then my podcast with Sharice Neal, um, every Saturday night, Bobby and Sharice podcast.com. So without ruining the new book for me too much, uh, what are some of the things you're covering? Cause I know you're doing stand up comedy now and you're, you're killing it with that. Yeah. Uh, Let me read you the, um, I'll read you the, the blurb for it. How about that? I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Life isn't easy when you're single, pushing 50, and still haunted by the ghosts of your rock and roll past. But if anyone can find the funny in it, Bobby can. The second book by Sunset Strip Video Vixen, Bobby Brown, Cherry on Top, documents Brown's transformation from 1990s sex symbol to comedy queen, revealing the dramatic ups and downs of her biggest reinvention yet. One of the hottest girls in the Sunset Strip, the blonde beauty in the video to Warren's 1990s hit, Cherry Pie, is now in her late 40s, and she's letting her mouth run wild as a headliner on the comedy stage just a few doors down from the rock club she once frequented. She's still smoking hot, but telling jokes about farting on men's balls isn't helping her find the one. <laughs> Hilarious, sweet, and bitingly honest, Cherry on Top reveals how one gorgeous potty mouth blonde took back Hollywood in middle age and embarked on a fresh search for love one fart joke at a time. <laughs> well you got me hooked already i mean fart jokes hot chicks I and mean, there it is man yeah so that's the blurb and um yeah so i'm excited hopefully it it does well and um yeah still doing comedy i'm doing the comedy store july 5th um and uh flappers which is a, a new venue i've never done that like uh this next week and then i'm doing another um movie short with stevie emerson um who's a, com a comedian He'll be getting his own series any day now. He's so good. Um, and just just keeping busy doing, doing all this stuff. And then, of course, I'll be touring a little bit to promote the book. And um, that's about it. Well, I'm sure that's not about it. I mean, you seem like you work and work and work and work. And it's really cool because uh, you have such a fascinating story. People think, people think the story ended in 1990 or something like that. But that's kind of where it began, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it pretty much began there. Yes. And um, I probably never will. I mean, I'm, I, I don't date. I don't ever get out. So I'm never going to be the one who's married and has somebody taking care of her, obviously. I'm always, you know, always on my hustle trying to make ends meet here in L.A. And um, actually about to shoot a sizzle with, uh, for a new reality show with um, Gretchen Bonaducci and Sharice Neal. And we're trying to pitch Dirty Rocker Boys as a biopic. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that goes well. And I'm sure there'll be a third book, possibly a fourth book down the road. You'll be, you know, 80 years old, 
putting out the uh, <laughs> the 10th book or whatever you're doing. That's but uh, like I wanted to thank you. And I, I've been bugging you for probably over a year now about doing something with uh, my television network, Asai TV. We're going to get our, 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 ourselves straight over here. And I'd love to make that thing happen. Just like a Los Angeles travel show or something, just something fun, something you're passionate about. You, like I said, let it ring in your ears for a little bit. And, uh, you come up with some ideas, I'll fly out on the next flight to Los Angeles. And, uh, thank you. I would love that. Absolutely. I can't wait to make that happen. And uh, thank you so much for having a conversation with me. I'm excited about the new book. Um, the last book is still in my uh, my audio thingy play thing. So. Hey. Well, that's so awesome. Yes, I would love that. And thank you for having me today. And it was nice talking to you. Product placement. Brandon likes this stuff. Once again, today's product placement is for a company that is not paying me to say these things. This is stuff that I thoroughly recommend, enjoy, use myself. So it could be any possible little thing. I could have a new toothbrush and it's the best toothbrush. It's like orgasm in your face toothbrush. And it doesn't matter what kind of toothpaste I put on there, but I will advertise that toothbrush for free. The toothbrush company doesn't even have to tell me hey, here's a bunch of money, push push our toothbrushes. And actually, since we're talking about toothbrushes, I use this nice, it's all black, it's a charcoal toothbrush. It's fantastic, cleans my teeth, my teeth are amazing. But that's not what we're talking about today. We have a guest in here who's not really a guest, she's the co-host, and her name is Shannon, and I want to introduce her, because after we do this little product placement segment, she's my co-host for the main narrative of the podcast. So, uh, Shannon, hello. Hey. Now, you have Ginger Snaps Wellness. Mm-hmm. Now, why is it called Ginger Snaps? Because you're a redhead, right? <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. No, <laughs> it's way more than that. Duh. Well, I, I, that's the obvious answer. You, it, it fits you. That's your gimmick. Even on your Facebook page, it's Shannon Ginger Snaps Flaherty. <laughs> I always want to say fla-la-la-la. I can't <laughs> say Flaherty for some reason. But you, uh, it's a CBD-based product, right? That's one of the components in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, teach me because you've put drops in my mouth before <laughs> that have helped me sleep, that have helped me, you know, get over some chronic pain that I've had from my wrestling days and all that stuff. Your, your stuff works, and <laughs> but it's not just for you know little stuff like that. It's kind of for, my mom has ordered stuff from me. She's ordered socks from you. <laughs> I don't I don't know what exactly everything that you do. So mm-hmm. you've got like five minutes here to just tell all the millions and quite possibly billions of listeners right now. Uh, what is Ginger Snaps Wellness? Okay, well, let's back up here for a couple steps and we'll explore the main mission and the concept. So I have always loved finding what are the tools out there in the industry that make me feel good and other people feel good. That's wellness. Wellness isn't really just about somebody trying to lecture you about eating broccoli and trying to get to health, really. So what I started to find as through 11 years in this industry of wellness, what are all the top things out there on the market between modalities and products that actually help people get into that feel-good state? So recently, one of the biggest components to my wellness program is exploring the industry of hemp. Now, CBD is just like a component in with that. So anything from hemp oil salves to oil to how to help people learn how to utilize it all the way to like, what is a hemp bath bomb, basically? What is a hemp bath bomb? <laughs> I love bath bombs and I like your hemp stuff. So why haven't I had a hemp bath bomb? Before? <laughs> I don't specialize in hemp bath bombs. Well, you should. <laughs> I'll give you a bath bomb in your mouth, basically. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> um, okay, so we'll explore into the plant of hemp. So hemp is one form of the cannabis plant, okay? So there's a couple different strains of that. Now, hemp is on the side with minuscule amounts of THC. Sometimes in certain products, there's none whatsoever. But you get all those really good juicy health benefits of relaxation, energy optimization, sleep. So for, you know, the insomniacs out there that are looking for something like that's one of the top things that we're using. Um, hormonal balance, pain relief is another big one. Um, when I was a full-time practitioner in the holistic healing arts, I was looking avidly for something that would reduce my own stress and pain. But when I started sharing it with other people, I started seeing some pretty epic testimonials. Well, let's talk about your pain and different things that you've been going through. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you were going through and what got you onto the the uh, the CBD train? Yeah, the biggest tipping point was when I had a dental procedure a couple years ago. Um, I started to have this slow um, downward spiral, starting off with basic headaches all the way into excruciating nerve pain, and mostly on the left side of my face. Nothing was budging on this one. I was doing all my own tricks and gizmos and gadgets, and I was getting pretty minuscule amounts of results for getting my energy back and being able to function like a normal human being instead of an inner cranky biatch, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> um, a friend of mine said, you got to try this hemp oil. And I was like, eh, eh, okay, all right, well, whatever. I'll and that's how I am. <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't want to take anything. I don't smoke <laughs> weed. I support it. Support the legalization. I support the uh, utilization of it, but I don't smoke it. And that's mm -hmm. the main thing. When you hear hemp or CBD, that's kind of the thing people think of. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a negative for so many years as an illegal product that people still have those negative connotations about mm -hmm. hemp and about CBD and about even marijuana, period. Mm -hmm. So anyway, go ahead. Okay. So for over a year, I kept pushing off, but this one specific brand kept getting like thrown back into my path. It was like, whatever's running the universe was like, Shannon, wake up and put this in your mouth. So finally I started utilizing it regularly because all my other practitioner friends are like, come on, just like, look at the good quality stuff. Just pay the price. It'll be worth it. So finally I just surrendered and said, fine, I'll do it. So after about a couple weeks, my pain levels went from about a 7-8 misery state down to like a 2-3 to three better feel-good state. So, and I just felt like Optimus Prime. I was like, man, I feel like a transformer. This is great. I went from like being a pile laying in bed all day long a lot of times back to training as an athlete in the gym but then I came to find out there's a lot of crap out on the market because I tried a couple of other brands and I was like nothing is coming close to some of the good high quality stuff so I found that I could be a resource person to actually help people find out what's actually going to get them results what's going to get them what they're looking for in terms of how they want to feel in life and overcome basically I have horrible times sleeping at night as I've told you before um, like literally I'm up to four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, every single night. And then I get up at seven and get working. So, uh, you can call it a hustle or you can call it absolutely stupid at this point because <laughs> it's going to kill me at some point. Uh, you put some little drops in my mouth and I was out like a light <laughs> and, uh, that it, I'm serious that that actually happened. This is not, like I said, she's not paying me a dollar, <laughs> even a, a, a nickel to even say any of this stuff. Um, and every show that we do here on the on the podcast, we're going to promote something that, like I said, like I like. Um, part of that promotion is how to get in touch with you. So how do people get in touch with you? How do they get your products? And how do they give you a big high five? 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. So um, an email address that you guys can use is gingersnapwellness at gmail.com. That is a great way to send me a memo. Um, people find me on Facebook. My personal page is Shannon Gingersnap Flaherty. People send me Facebook messages all the time um, via that. I My main product that I do actually advocate for as of right now um, is under shannonflaherty.primebody.com. That's where my main oil is. There Prime. Were- my body. Mm-hmm. Yep. You said it real fast. Like prima body. <laughs> prima body. What's a prima body? <laughs> she's like this all the time. She's energetic. That's why I, she's the co-host of this show. So yeah, I know I can get onto verbal diarrhea tangents. So things start to mesh together. So um, no, there may be um, additional resources in the future. So even if people don't want to be gravitated towards that product, don't worry. Just reach out to me. Let me know what's going on with you, and then we can conversate and have a good conversation based on that. So, yeah. So, so in that somewhere was her contact information. <laughs> I, I kind of spaced out a little bit. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, get a hold of Shannon if you've got little aches and pains, if you've got trouble sleeping, if you've got chronic pain, if you've got, like, and that chart and the doctor that has the smiley face all the way to the super crying, uh, frowny <laughs> face. If you're anywhere in that, you know, super crying, frowny face aspect, uh, yeah, get a hold of Shannon and try something different. Uh, big farmers had their way for plenty of years, and now, uh, things now like days are numbered. Things like this are taking <laughs> over. So, thank you so much, Shannon. Thank y'all. But we're going to end this show in a very positive and a very negative type of way. We're going to crown two different people for very different reasons. Uh, offer them an award, so to speak. First award will be the Hall of Respect. This award will be given to somebody or some people that deserve it. They've done something awesome. I would like to recognize them in my tiny little way on my little podcast here. Just saying thank you or you're awesome. We're going to put you in the hall of respect. On the flip side of that, we're going to have the dungeon of douche. Now, what is a dungeon of douche? It's an awful place that nobody wants to reside. I hope to someday never reside in the dungeon of douche. That's a place you don't want to be. If you did something stupid, you did something disrespectful, you did something awful, guess what? Your ass is going to end up in the Brandon Bishop Podcast's Dungeon of Douche. Now, I know that this doesn't mean anything. It's not like there's going to be an actual building erected for the Hall of Respect. and It's just my little way of ending the show and saying, hey, I like you a lot. I'm going to put you in the Hall of Respect or fuck you. <laughs> you are a piece of shit. Excuse my French, but I'm going to stick your ass. I'm going to chain you by the wrists, maybe even upside down. Maybe I'll hang you by your ankles in the dungeon of douche because that's where you belong and you suck as a human being. So, since this is the first episode, and normally the Hall of Respect and the Dungeon of Douche are going to be a little more up to date. It's going to be people from this week that either were awesome or just sucked at life. But since it's the first episode and we got a lot of catching up to do, I'm going to pick up some names from the past that really deserve it for different, obviously, different reasons. And uh, I think I'm going to start with, of course, should I start with positive or should I start with negative? I kind of want to start with the positive. Welcome to the Hall of Respect. These people are awesome. I love them. This is the, uh, what is it, the fourth anniversary of his passing, which all kicked all of us 
in the nuts, like in the worst possible way. Um, in, in the wrestling community as well. As you know, I was a pro wrestler for oh, way too long. <laughs> and I was a pro wrestling promoter for way too long. And I've been a wrestling fan since I was five years old. We're actually going to talk about that in a future episode, so I don't want to give away too much. But um, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, he was one of the very first people, very first names that I knew in the wrestling community. I used to watch a... Uh, a black and white TV in Detroit. I think it was on the Canadian broadcast channel. I mean, I was like five, so I don't remember. This is 40 years ago. But I remember seeing Dusty Rhodes on the TV, along with names like superstar Billy Graham and Bob Backlund and all, you know, all these different people. It was on All-Star Wrestling on the CBC. I believe it was on the CBC. I used to watch, uh, and like I said, we'll talk about this in a future episode, but I used to watch Three Stooges, which was a black and white show on my little 13-inch black and white TV that had a uh, like a screwdriver and some aluminum foil on top just so I can get a picture. Um, when you pulled the knob for the TV, it'd make this big, long hissing sound. It was another day and age, trust me. But after um, Three Stooges, uh, it was either Three Stooges or Lauren Hardy. So one of those two played. Sometimes Abbott and Costello. I was, I was always hoping for the Three Stooges, but after that was over, it was all-star wrestling. And it was, uh, I think it was a WWE or back then WWF uh, promotion or television show, but it would show kind of highlights from all the different territories. And um, I remember Dusty Rhodes and I was absolutely uh, enthralled by him. I, was, I couldn't think this guy's amazing. I love this guy. And then as I grew up, you know, Vince McMahon took over the world and then you discover NWA wrestling over there on TBS and my goodness, that Dusty Rhodes, I was such a huge fan of Dusty Rhodes. And then I got to uh, actually meet him a couple times. There was an NWA Oklahoma show that I was wrestling on, and I got to do a really cool promo. I got to take the bionic elbow in the middle of the ring. I got to, I got to cut mics with Dusty Rhodes, one of the best in the business. And I've been called a damn good promo guy, but I was shaking nervous. And I've <laughs> there's been, I mean, I'm always nervous going to the ring because you never know what's going to happen. You're always excited to be in front of a crowd and, and hone your craft. But I, I, I can name maybe five times in my entire 15-year career in wrestling that I was that nervous. And that was one of the first times. It was 2003 in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I will never forget, obviously... Because of what happened, I'll never forget when he passed. I was on the road with Garrett Kuhn, who's the host of Psy TV's uh, Lost in America, and uh, with Sign in Hand. And we were on a cross-country filming trip. It was the first one we ever did. I think we were heading to New York City. I'm not sure what city we were in when uh, you know that, that, that notification comes up that Dusty Rhodes passed away at an accident at his house. Uh, didn't recover from it, so it, it really, really, really sucked for us in the wrestling community. And uh, man, <laughs> I, I got to know him a little bit. At, at, we only we did the spot in the NWA Oklahoma thing, and then we uh, kept in touch. He had this uh, traveling show that he wanted to do. He wanted to do. Um, he wanted to use my ring and my my entrance and bell and music and PA and all that stuff and. Um, we would just hit the road all over the South and do this show together. Uh, we had some really good phone calls. And when you're talking to Dusty Rhodes on the phone, it's you're talking to the character Dusty Rhodes. I don't know if he's like that with his family. I doubt it. But when he was talking to me, and, and I know 
there's a thousand different Dusty Road impersonations. I'm not trying to be one of the better ones, but you'd be you'd see that you'd see that phone number come up. I, it was a Texas number, I believe, and the man can dream about the rose. And uh, how's it going there, Bishop? Gummy Bishop, and it uh, it was just he was cutting a promo on the phone, basically. He uh, he knew how to get you worked up. He knew how to uh, get you excited about doing some projects with him, whether. Uh, I mean, the project, basically, the, the wrestling tour was me doing all the work and, and, and them getting paid. <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very good for me, but I was still going to do it for the experience. Uh, the reason we didn't do the tour was because he uh, got picked up by some company or something. It was in 2003, so uh, those that know him, maybe you can uh, <laughs> tell me what happened. But he said, yeah, I got busy, and, you know, he sent me an email basically saying we can't do it, which was fine because, you know, like I said, it wasn't a very good deal for me by any means, but it was, um, it was a real honor to talk to him. I talked to him maybe about 20 times on the phone and he had, I still saved the emails. And the funny thing at the end of the emails, he put the dream <laughs> in huge letters. I don't even know how you make font that big on an email, but it seemed to get bigger every time I got an email. Maybe I'm making that up in my head, but yeah, in the bottom of the email, the dream, big. Basically, the reason I wanted to induct, like this is a big thing, like like I said, we're going to erect a building for all the winners here, but uh, the reason I wanted to put him into the uh, podcast Hall of Respect is because he meant so much to not only wrestling fans like myself and eventual wrestlers like myself and promoters like myself, he meant so much to the entire industry. Um, he's been gone for four years, but... His uh, his legacy is all over everything. Even the new AEW company, which his son is one of the main characters and main uh, behind-the-scenes guy for that company. Um, actually, both of his sons are now. Um, in WWE, there's just Dusty all over everything, whether it starts in NXT or just the entire history of wrestling is just coded in Dusty Rhodes. Uh, folklore and memories and matches and content uh the guy was amazing so that is the reason i want to put the american dream dusty road the american dream Dusty roads in my little silly ridiculous hall of respect thing here because uh he was awesome to me he didn't have to be he was really cool to me he was cool to me backstage before we did our little spots and um i got that one picture which i recently posted on my social media and uh yeah, I'm proud of that picture because there was a lot more behind it than just, hey, can I get a picture with you? No, we, we had a, a pretty uh, half a year, six month, whatever relationship, just talking on the phone and planning stuff. And unfortunately, it never went anywhere, but it doesn't matter. I got a piece of Dusty, and uh, that's, uh, that, that's something I'll always be grateful for. Uh, funny thing is, in 2003 is when we did that stuff when we first met in NWA, Oklahoma, in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Ten years later, almost to the date, actually, I got to tag up in a six-man tag. Actually, it was a big match. I got to tag up with Gold Dust, which was Dustin Rhodes, uh, who's Dusty's son. So, like, ten years apart, got to work with Dusty, got to work with Dustin. Now I'm thinking maybe in 2023 I'll put the boots back on and maybe I'll work with Cody. You can make that happen. That's a good story right there. Come on. I worked with your dad. I worked with your older brother. And then ten years later, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's like a 20-year arc right there. It's a 20-year it's a storyline, Cody. So, anyway, you got your own company now. You can make it happen. Anyway, that is the uh, Hall of Respect. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes.
Yeah, I know. You agree with me already. Nancy Grace has been hosting her TV show for uh, as long as I can remember. And here, here's... I was looking, I was doing some research as to give some particular examples of why she deserves to be chained by the ankles into the dungeon of douche. And I actually came up with too many. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hinder on two that affected me personally. First of all, who remembers Elizabeth Smart? She was a girl who was kidnapped, forced to wear a burqa. It was a horrible ordeal that went on for a long, long time to this poor lady. And now Elizabeth Smart is an activist. She's out there trying to help human trafficking. She's a wonderful human being. She did not deserve what she got from these terrible people that kidnapped her and made her do whatever they made her do. Um, punch in my microphone here, sorry. Um, I talk with my hands a lot, so <laughs> get used to that because I'm going to keep punching this little windscreen and, uh, as we keep going on. Anyways, Elizabeth Smart, awesome person, goes on Nancy Grace. First thing um, Elizabeth Smart says is, look, I don't really want to talk about what happened to me. I don't want to talk about just the whole ordeal that she went through. She wants to talk about her her, her fundraising and her uh, activism and this, this moving forward, how she can help other people. And I remember watching this live, too, and I don't know why the fuck I was watching Nancy Grace, but I was. And the first thing Nancy Grace says, so what was it like to wear one of those burkas? Could you see out of that thing? Yeah. From that moment on, I have just despised her. She's the worst thing on television. I don't even understand how. She's got a show on there that claims to be headline news. Are you out of your freaking mind? Oh, just disgusting. That smug little look on her face while she's just... And, and don't get me wrong, this is not news. Don't let them fool you. This is entertainment bullshit. This might as well be The Onion, which is at least self-described as entertainment goofy bullshit. Her show is 100% garbage. It is the worst shit on television, if it's even still on. If it's still on, I'm going to be... I, I need to look that up, actually. We, like, <laughs> I, I, if it's still on, there's just no... Oh, anyway, I'll do that later. Uh, I'll get too angry if I find out it's still on. If it is, boycott that shit. Write in letters, get on Twitter, lambaste her, make her feel like the idiot that she is. There's been countless times, and sometimes I'll just hate watch. I know that's not good. I got high blood pressure. I shouldn't be doing things like that. But sometimes I'll watch it just because I hate her so much. It's almost recreational at that point. Like, I just, oh, I can't do it for too long. Because I'll have a heart attack or a stroke or something, or I'll just start punching holes in the wall, which is not like me at all. I'm a very laid-back, kind of pacifistic guy. But Nancy Grace, oh, it, she brings out the same feelings that I get when I hear rap music booming in the background at 3 o'clock in the morning outside my window. It just makes me want to pick up a spiked baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire and lemon juice and just crack somebody in the head. And this is not me. I'm telling you, this is not me. I'm not an angry guy. I haven't raised my voice in probably years. I just, oh my goodness. The other time, the second time that Nancy Grace just pissed me off to the point where, ah, the lemon juice thing. 
<laughs> the Chris Benoit, you know, like I said, I'm a wrestler. We, did, we went over the Dusty Road stuff, whatever. You know, my my history with wrestling up. The whole Chris Benoit thing, yeah, I mean, it's been said that he murdered his family and killed himself and all this horrible stuff. Well, this piece of shit, Nancy Grace, goes on a one-woman tear against the pro wrestling business without any factual evidence, like literally saying all these wrestlers died because of steroids and drug overdoses, which doesn't happen apparently, according to that thing called science. Uh, she said, like, the junkyard dog died from... No, he died in a car accident. It said that Owen Hart died. No, he died because he fell from the ceiling of an arena. Just zero factual evidence, zero uh, investigative results. There's nothing except for hearsay and bullshit. And it just spews out of her mouth, not just with these two cases, but it just spews every single episode that she ever had, just constant diarrhea out of the mouth. So for that reason, Nancy, you are the first addition to the Dungeon of Douche, and I hope you rot there. And I hope the rats come out of the walls and nibble on your smug little face and your shitty hairdo. Is this getting too dark? <laughs> I don't mean for it to be that dark, I guess. I just couldn't hate her. Oh. And I don't hate anybody. I love, even people I dislike, I still love you. But this bitch, yeah, she needs to be pushed into an active volcano. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm not going to buy her a ticket to Hawaii and go with her and play nice and be like, I love you, Nancy. Let's go see a volcano together. Then we get there, we drive up there, and we get to the edge, and I'm like, ha boom, push her in. I'm not going to do that. It's not a threat. I just really don't like her. So all I can really do is do what I'm doing and stick her in the dungeon of douche. Okay, we did it. We got through a full episode, and I think it's a pretty stacked episode as well. We went through a lot of different stuff, talked about a lot of different people. Thank you again to the awesome, beautiful, talented, amazing Bobby Brown. And once again, get her book on Amazon, Dirty Rocker Boys, and then Cherry on Top. It's coming out any minute now. Uh, if you're listening to this in the distant future, she may be on her fifth or sixth book by that point. Thank you to Shannon for being my co-host in the main part of this thing. Thank you to the American Dream Death the Roads for being the first inductee into the prestigious podcast Hall of Respect. And uh, here's a big middle finger to Nancy Grace for the other thing. Also, um, thank you to uh, Vinny and Luke and Carrie and uh, Chantel for doing all the little voiceover secret stuff with me. And uh, you know what? This is a lot of fun. I think I'll do it every week. Are you going to listen every week? Next week, um, we got another cool interview with somebody who I just adore growing up and even now. His name's Vinny Dombrowski. He's the lead singer for the band Sponge. That is scheduled to be on uh, the podcast next week. And we got a bunch of other different names and people and interesting people. It's not always going to be celebrities, authors. Uh, it can be authors, comics, it can be musicians, it can be a little bit of everything. I might even just interview my cat someday. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, if we, if we run out and people are like, F you, Brandon, I don't want to be on your show, or they somebody cancels, then I'm going to interview my freaking cat, okay? And you're going to enjoy the hell out of it, because you're going to listen to this podcast every single week. It's going to be on every single Saturday. It's going to be uh, part of your routine from here on out. And if it isn't, 
then um, what can I do? I'm not, I'm not that popular yet. I'm not that powerful yet. I can't do anything to you, but I can beg you. I can say pretty please. I can get on my hands and knees like I am right now. Okay, hands and knees. Here we go. Please listen to my little podcast, the Brandon Bishop podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Because then we can start bringing you bigger guests and we can start bringing you better things and wonderful things. We can talk about whatever we want. Also, please, I'm still on my knees. Get a Psy TV. ASYTV.com is where you can get it right now. Coming soon, like I said, podcast. Uh, coming to Roku and um, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, all that different stuff as well. We're going to be available in every home in the world here pretty soon, probably by this summer in 2019. Also, if you're in Colorado Springs, check out Trinity Brewery. They're our sponsor for the show today. Uh, amazing food, amazing drinks. Jason over there is uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's, I, I don't normally like people with dreadlocks, but he's got them, and he's one of my favorite people. Also, uh, check out the stuff that Shannon's selling, the uh, ginger snaps, hemp oil, CBD stuff. I mean, it helps me sleep. It's great for pain relief. It's fantastic. And I'm not being paid to say this. So go check her out. I'm sure she gave you some uh, websites or something like that for it. Go check it out. Get some. Get your hands on it. She's got all kinds of different products. And uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. We'll see you next Saturday.